So my big impossible right now. So my impossible is. My impossible. The impossible. I think the impossible. An impossible dream that I think we could pull off one day would be. I am Tansley Stearns, and this is Despite Impossible. I am a longtime credit union executive leading Community Financial as president and CEO. I have always admired and been inspired by people whose passion is boundless and who don't comprehend the word impossible. This show focuses on their stories. Today's guest is Anika Goss Foster, a joyful dreamer, philanthropist, community leader, and one of Detroit's fiercest advocates. Anika is the Chief Executive Officer of Detroit Future City, a think-and-do tank focused on land use and sustainability, community and economic development, and economic equity in Detroit. This is Anika's story. People who know you best will describe you as? Uh, Funny and straightforward. Love that. What about today's version of yourself would impress your 10 years younger self? Oh, that I've stopped drinking. (laughs) That is impressive. And that's just not a January thing. That's a. No, and it's it's not a hundred percent. Yeah. But my 10 year old stress would often, you know, use things that weren't really helpful, whether it was alcohol or junk food. Uh huh. Or even cigarettes. Right. I smoked for a period of time um, to manage stress. And now I don't do that at all. That's so great. Mm -hmm. We could probably go for days into how you did that because that's hard, (laughs) especially if you get you're not just saying not just drinking, but the junk food and the like that's you got it. Yeah, I feel so much better. And I would have my 10 year 10 years ago. I just would have never believed that you would, you feel so much better if you are feeding or comforting yourself with healthier things as opposed to bad things. Yeah. That's so smart. What's your most unpopular music opinion? My music ranges. I love, there's some like, pop rock uh-huh. that I really enjoy. Yeah. Like I really, like I have a whole playlist that's just, you know, Taylor Swift, Olivia yeah. Rodrigo, and uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> people with Paramore, people would, um, my, my children, my friends get in my car and they're like, surely you have other music. We're not listening to this to Taylor Swift wherever we're going. <laughs> That's great. Hey, I think a good T Swift song can yeah. take you a long way. I'm exactly. with you. She's a good songwriter and oh, Olivia me. Rodrigo. Oh, me too. A, a bad idea, right? Song. I, I, no. I can't get enough of that. That whole Grudge album is really good. Isn't it? Oh, yes. So great. When was the last time you danced so hard that your feet were sore? So I I spend a lot of time in um, coastal South Carolina. Oh, great. And there is a little juke joint, restaurant and bar, oh. and they have the best live music. It's so much fun. It's a place called Ruby Lee's on Hilton Head Island. That sounds so great. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's recent. That would have been New Year's. That would have been every time I go, I dance. It's a lot of fun. What's a book, song, or movie that said the words you couldn't say? You know, I'm a I'm a really big reader. Yeah. Uh, fiction. Mm-hmm. And I just finished Yellow Face by R.F. Quang. It was so frightening. <laughs> Oh my God! And I tell you, it it was frightening, uh, and so to have your fears oh. on paper because it's not it's not like frightening in a scary horror horror book yeah. kind of way. It's frightening. The purpose of the book is the book is about a woman who a, a Chinese woman author who's uh-huh. a superstar author uh-huh. who has a friend who's sort of a mediocre author, junior author who's white. And they, they there's an, the Chinese woman accidentally dies and the white woman is with her. The white woman steals her next book and, uh, and passes it off as her own. And the book is about like Chinese labor camp people <laughs> in oh, World War One. Like it's a very specific ethnic yeah. cultural book with Chinese writing. And throughout, R.F. Quang does this amazing, because it's written in the first per- person and the point of view from the white woman. Uh-huh. And her the language, the the jealousy. And I feel like as a woman of color that gets a lot of attention and I have a huge diversity of friends, right? Of all ethnic groups, including a number of really close, close white women Mm -hmm. and white friends. You're anytime, no matter whether white, black or other, when your career is really moving fast, Uh you never know how, what other people are really thinking. Yeah. You know, and that's what this book is about. This is wow. like, this is what people are, this is what this woman was actually thinking wow. about her, which was horrible and frightening. It was, it, it yeah. So wow. that's really remarkable. I'm going to read that. Yeah. It, it's, it's a disturbing book. I'll have to just warn you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What gets an undeserved bad reputation? Maybe Detroit neighborhoods, I oh, would okay. say. Okay. Um, absolutely. There's some, when I drive through, um, when I have to drive through the neighborhoods in and around, I, I'm reminded, I see it differently, right? Yeah. I'm reminded that this is home for a lot of people and not, just um, recent homes, but for some people, it's been homes for decades, for generations. And I feel like there's a lot of love and joy in that. And and we and the even the small businesses that are sort of nestled into some of these neighborhoods, they're not getting any of the the shine that the rest of um, the city, downtown, midtown, even some of the slicker neighborhoods now get. And I, I really, I think, I definitely think that 
they have a bad reputation that they don't deserve. What's your favorite thing that someone you admire does? I, <laughs> I have a really good friend. He sees the good in absolutely everyone. Uh -huh. And I have to remind, he's a very, he's a public official uh -huh. in a very, very powerful seat. And I'm like, that person isn't that nice. What are you, <laughs> don't invite them to dinner. <laughs> And he sees the good in him and in everyone in absolutely. I rarely hear him say that person is awful. Yeah. Rarely. My mom is that way. She can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your impossible. You know, it's so funny because I, I've achieved, I really feel like I've achieved a lot, mm -hmm. but I also don't know what's next because I've got a long way to go. I still have about, I would say a solid 15 years of work. Okay. Right. Before retirement. And that's a long time, 15 years. That's a long time. And whatever is next for me feels impossible <laughs> at this point. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I can't even imagine what's next. Um, but I do feel like what I feel so grateful and I'm, I'm humbled at the opportunity that I have right now and the roles that I've been able, the tables that I'm sitting at right now, um, that I just, I can't even imagine, um, what what's possible next so i'm ex that's my impossible what are some of the challenges you faced that seemed insurmountable at the time you know i'm a social worker by training and the challenge has been not being defensive about that uh, because people would discount me right they would discount that i have the ability to understand finance and how can you understand business and systems? <laughs> and, you know, you have a master's in social work. You have a master's in being nice to people. And so, <laughs> and, you know, I just said to my sister over the holidays, I was like, me and this master's in social work, we've gone pretty far. I am like <laughs> maxing out on <laughs> That's so great. Are this MSW. But I also kind of feel like um, understanding the economy, what people discount social workers is that social worker, social work is the study of family systems. Yes. And and how people, how families exist within systems. Mm -hmm. And one of those primary systems is the economic system. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to understand how the economy works mm -hmm. in, under, in order to understand how a family can function in that system. Hmm. Was there a point during your journey that you felt like giving up? Uh, not giving up, but, you know, I don't know if you know, I worked for the city of the city of Detroit. I was a cabinet member for Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. Oh, wow. And at late, 
right? So the last two years. Okay. So I, uh, right before he went to jail. And so, and I was probably one of the few hires that did not know him. He honestly hired me because of what I was bringing. Yeah. And when it, when everything was falling apart, um, it wasn't that I felt like giving up, but I honestly, the waters, there were shark infested, very deep waters. Yeah. And I was really uncertain what was going to happen next. And I had really little kids. So my kids at the time would have been like five and seven. And oh, I was divorced. I was recently divorced. Yeah. And so uh, my family, there was a lot of pressure for me to leave. You know, you have to quit this job, leave, get, get out of there before, you know, the, the ship sinks. Yeah. And I couldn't because I, you know, I had these little kids and I, I had just, I was coming out of a, you know, contentious divorce. And, you know, when you're coming out of a divorce, you have to make sure that everything mm-hmm. looks stable. Right. <laughs> so, not, you know, no sudden moves. And, um, and I didn't have another job. Uh, immediately. And so it was a very difficult, difficult time. And it really felt like, so it wasn't a giving up, but I also didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have an answer. What's your advice for folks to use the fire in their bellies to bring their impossible dreams to life? Yeah. I do feel like one of the things that has worked not just for me, but for what I've seen for others that have, have, have moved or have achieved um, is to be very focused on what it is that you want to do. And so some of it is really taking the time, right. To say, here's really where I want to make an impact or this is really what I want to do. And if that thing is five things, it's going to be very difficult for you to achieve it. Mm -hmm. You know, like really figuring out this is the space that I want to impact. And here are the skills that I can bring to that space because I know that I'm good at these you know, figuring out what you're good at and being really confident about that, you know, Um, that's, and, and if it, if it's something that you're good at, you should be confident about it. That's where you, you should gain your confidence from are the things that you're actually good at. I love that. What do you look forward to most in the next 12 months? I've recently joined the Federal Home Loan Bank of Indianapolis Board of Directors. And it there's it's it's really intimidating. And (laughs) um but I'm also what I've learned, I've already had my orientation, and so to really understand it's they're under a very different the how federal housing finance authority director, Sandra Thompson, um, has a new um, mission with, because it's the 100th anniversary of the federal, of the housing finance agency. And um, 
a lot of the issues that we're going to see change in uh, for the home loan banks across the country are things that I'm actually really good at, mm-hmm. uh, like figuring out the role of CDFIs, like pushing climate change and housing to the forefront. Mm-hmm. I'm actually pretty good at those things. Right. Um, the black wealth and uh, the decline in home ownership and acceptance rates for black homeowners or black borrowers. That's also something that we've spent a lot of time studying at DFC. Uh-huh. And so it's a, it's a big challenge because it takes up a lot of time. Um, but it's also something I'm, I, I felt like my whole career, I've <laughs> been waiting for this moment. And so I'm really excited about that. Yeah. So great. What's your next impossible, my friends? You know what my next impossible is, what I really want to do? I really want to go to the International Climate Conference. That would be so epic. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I really want to go. I want to be there in person. I'm really looking forward to that. That's so great. I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully I can get in. That's my impossibles to be able to do that. I feel like I'm going to really win if I get to go to that. Who's someone else that should share their story with us? I admire her so much. She's a really good friend. Great. Uh, Portia Roberson, who's okay. the president and CEO of Focus Hope. Yes. I just was introduced to her recently. That's so great. Yeah. And I feel like she's so underrated like people don't even realize how much she knows how important her work is to detroit and the region and um i i i feel like everyone should know her I think as we consider confidence and how you both gain it and then present as confident i believe it's really hard particularly depending on how you're raised you know i was raised to be extraordinarily humble and you know they think there can be a tear in you about showing up as overconfident and so i think it's a it's a really difficult balance and and i think as a leader there is a demand of confidence because an organization and the people within the organization and the communities that you serve the the constituents are looking for that confidence so i think for me at least the journey has been around starting to understand the places where you really do have gifts and being able to lean into those gifts and also lean away from the things that you're not great at because I think the confidence in those gifts is as much about letting go of the things you suck at as it is about cherishing the things that you're good at. You know, I think the question of whether or not it's tougher for women to show up as confident is again a really complex one and I think something I struggled with mightily for years and I think the moment where it started to be more natural was when I allowed myself to truly be who I was at work. You know, I think that in the moments when you are putting on a whole 
bunch of packages to show up as who you think you should be versus who you are. I think that's the really dangerous space, and I think that that can come across poorly. And so I think for me, the 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 confidence that I think has has worked most effectively has been that which is truly about who I am and and being that person. But I do think that there are real challenges for women because you know um, I realize this is a controversial thing to say, but I'll quote the Barbie movie. You know, I think that what America Ferrera talks about is that no matter how you show up, there's a challenge to that, and I feel that daily, quite frankly, and I think most women do. And you know, the the, the advice that I would give is that. We must, as women, walk together, and we've got to guard against those pressures. And I think the the best path is going to be when women stop poking at each other and start truly being cushions for one another, no matter what choices we make. So when you think about how you show up in a place where you don't have as much experience or confidence, to me, the the most important thing is to show up with curiosity. And I also think that part of what we heard Anika say is that it's about starting to marry your gifts, even if it's through a different lens. And I think that that can be so powerful for boards because you know what we forget about frequently when we think about governance is that it is not about subject matter expertise. Now, subject matter expertise can be sprinkled in. And in some cases, I think it can be dangerous because you know, you can dive into operations when the intention is to be much more broadly focused on strategy. And so, I think in some ways there is a, a gift of not having that uh, operational expertise that you can bring to a board. So I think my my approach has been about how you really look at it through a curious lens. When we talk to these guests and we think about some of the commonalities, one of them is this craving for something they don't know. And I think that's very true. I think that uh, I, and I notice it in myself, right? You know, that this is a silly example, but Anika talked about a book I hadn't read and you know, my energy got really high in that moment. I think for all of us, there is this, yearning for something different. You know, I, I think that for me during my years at Feline, that was part of what was so unusual and such a tremendous joy during that time, which is that, you know, you, you have this exposure to novel organizations, to academia, to new research, to new humans at the time, certainly new companies, you know, technologists, and every day there was something that was not quite something I'd seen before. And I find that to be very, very energizing. The book that I believe has brought words to life for me that I wouldn't have had on my own is Margaret Atwood's A Handmaid's Tale. This concludes today's episode. For exclusive content, visit us at despiteimpossible.com and subscribe to this podcast.